0: I want to invite everyone in the sanctuary today to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. As you're making your way there, uh, this word that we're opening teaches us how we can have victorious, godly lives. And we're studying that doctrine of godliness each week. And your heart's desire, I pray, is to live godly, to be as we learned last week with the Father as the center of our life, living holy, being holy as He's holy. Now, when we examined uh, the doctrine of godliness, we began with that passage in First Timothy, uh, chapter three that taught us about the mystery of godliness, and that mystery is Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes godliness possible in our lives and today we're going to focus our thoughts on him again and hear God's word teach us just about the central role that he plays in you and me living daily godly lives we flesh out the faith in reality because we recognize who he is and what he has done if we're going to be centered on Christ focused on Christ you could say well maybe we should turn to Philippians chapter one and read there that to live is Christ And to die is gain. Paul would say that the sum of his being, the reason for his living, was Jesus Christ. And that while he lived on this earth, everything that he wanted to do was embodied, to demonstrate, to model Jesus Christ and show the power of Christ in him. And hopefully that's your reason for being as well today. There's lots of things you and I can live for in this world, but we should be living for Christ. Paul would say over in Hebrews chapter 12 that you know there's a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us and we should lay aside those things that that weigh us down and the sin that easily trips us up and run with endurance the race of faith with our faith with our eyes fixed on Jesus because he's the author and perfecter of our faith so as we journey through life and we run this race of faith your eyes should be fixed on christ we should be looking up trusting in him depending on him he's there at the right hand of the father interceding for you and for me until the father tells him to come get his children to come get his bride and so inspired by the godly examples that looked to christ who lived by faith those old testament saints they ran the race their eyes looked to Him. He hadn't come yet, but they were believing God would keep His word. And they lived that life of faith so that you and I who know that He's come can look back at Him and, and run that race the same way. Uh, listen, stripping ourselves of anything that weighs us down and entangles our, our pursuit of Christ, living with endurance, running this race, determined, listen... Do you have that determination to keep going regardless of the temptations that arise, the world that rises up against us? To not slow up, not slow down, not give up, but keep running the race of faith. This verse that we're going to read in Romans chapter 6 gives us a secret key, an important key to living victoriously. It's a wonderful truth that you and I need to apply every day of our life. It focuses on Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done for us. Now listen, how many Christians do you know are living victorious lives? Not bemoaning their situations in life, not complaining about circumstances that God actually allows in their life. Walking around with their head down. How many are walking with their head up victorious knowing who has achieved the victory for them? If we're honest, listen, sometimes sin in our life, the old nature that we should have defeated years ago, it it rears its head and it causes us to feel defeated. The devil will try to whisper and remind us, Ah, look at that, you stumbled, you fell, look at you can't have victory. And if we allow that to happen and we don't understand these truths that Paul's going to explain to us today, you won't experience the victory that's available to any of us that will walk by faith. Are are you living that victorious Christian life, that godly life this morning? Because if you want to experience that victory, the principle and the secrets right here in Romans chapter 6. But you've got to be aware. You've got to know something. You've got to know some essential truths about that godly life that's available in Christ. So I want you and I to discover it this morning and flesh it out in our faith. If you will, stand with me. I'm just going to read the first four four verses of Romans chapter 6. And then hopefully we'll make our way all the way down through about half this chapter or at least to verse 10. So Paul is arguing here, and he's making an argument. We have these chapter headings which kind of throw us off, but this is a continuation of what was said previously, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But let's look in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were baptized with Him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would put that desire in every heart before me, Lord, to walk in newness of life. We who have experienced your grace, God, may we realize today that there is a new way that we should flesh out the faith that we believe about Jesus. God, those that have yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus, God, would, I pray your spirit would, would bring conviction and the realization that we need a Savior Someone who has died for us and paid our penalty. And someone who wants to be our Savior and our Lord. And I pray, Father, that if there's anyone before me that's yet to do that, that maybe today, God, may today be the day of salvation for them. Father, for all of us, may we know beyond a shadow of a doubt this to be true. Who your Son is and what He's done for us. And may it be a reality that changes the way we live each and every day. Father, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise and honor for what you do. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Before we dive into this particular passage, you have to understand, Paul is making an argument from chapter 1 of Romans all the way through chapter 8 about salvation, the salvation that we have experienced in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. He made the case, listen, that every single one of us needs to be saved. We all have sinned and are continually falling short of the glory of God. Every single person in this room, everyone watching online, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God even today. God requires perfection and none of us have reached that glorious state, have we? The amen goes right there. No. No. Every single one of us finds ourselves in need of redemption. Or as the psalmist would say, there's none righteous, no, not one. And in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Romans, Paul makes the argument, well, that while there's none righteous, there's only one way to be made righteous. There's only one way that we can be justified. That God can treat us just as if we've never sinned. And that is by grace through faith. It is by faith in Christ. Father Abraham's the example for us. He's the example. He believed in God's word. He took God by faith and he was made right with him. He had to believe that God would provide the sacrifice that he said he would, and he chose to walk by faith. Now, God can be both just and justifier. In making us right with him because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ offered at Calvary. He was the propitiation. Romans chapter 3 emphasizes this. Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. The sacrifice that he offered satisfied God's requirement for sin. Praise God for that this morning. That when Christ died, listen, he paid the penalty for the sins of this world at Calvary. One sacrifice, one perfect sacrifice, satisfying God's requirement for sin. And it's that sacrifice, it's that death that he offered for us at Calvary is what Romans 6 focuses on now. As Paul transitions from chapter 5 to chapter 6, the argument continues. Now some would say over at the end of chapter 5, listen, Paul in his argument saying, Listen, we once were under the law, but you know what? The law just reveals sin. But, but but sin, even where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And so some would say, well, wait a second, Paul, if that's the case, then 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 let's keep on sinning that we'll get more and more grace. And, and as as that argument is made, Paul speaks and he says, Hold on a second, that's not right. In fact, there's a reality that we need to realize today that you and I have died with Christ. And as we have died with Him, there's a reality we need to understand that that, though that argument is made, that misunderstands why Christ died. Yes, we're justified by grace through faith. Yes, Jesus offered the sacrifice that is sufficient so that we can experience God's grace and God's mercy and be made right with Him. But, but he came to give us newness of life. That, that's the way we should want to live. And, and if we realize that Christ died for us and died for the penalty, to pay the penalty for sin, why, why in the world would we want to continue in that sin? It's absolutely absurd, Paul would say in verse 2, certainly not exclamation point. May may it never be, is what the Greek says. May that never be the case. That you and I, we realize, how can we who died to sin live any longer in it? You see, the motivation for our walk in Christ, our, our holy living, all of this is tied to the fact that Christ died and we have died to sin with Him. There needs to be an awareness in your heart and in your mind, in my heart and in my mind today, an awareness for those of us that believe, know something to be true. And what is that? Notice in verse 3. You might want to underline this or circle this. You're going to see it in verse 3, verse 6, verse 9. I just circled the word know there down in verse 6, knowing. Verse 9, knowing. There's certain things we need to be aware of today, not ignorant of. This is is critical to you and I living godly lives, knowing these truths. Not just knowing them as fact, but knowing them subjectively, that they transform the way I live day and day in and day out otherwise you'll abuse God's grace you'll you'll not live the fullness of life that Christ comes to to bring us and to save us not from the, just the penalty of sin but the power of sin in our life each and every day that, that's possible when we are aware of this we know something about Jesus and our identity with him and what is that Do you not know, verse 3, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Do you realize today when Christ died, when you and I repented of our sins and placed our faith and trust in his sacrifice, the Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the Spirit of God baptized us into his death. Now you say, this word baptism is going to throw me off. How were we baptized into Christ Jesus? I went through those waters up there, Pastor Chris. Those waters get you and I wet. Those waters don't save us. They testify of what Jesus Christ has done. Objectively true. Jesus died. He was buried. And praise God, rose again. Do you believe that's true? If you believe that's true, you testify of that, that objective truth, and it's what the Word of God tells us. Historical witnesses, eyewitnesses tell us of this. They saw Him die, they saw Him buried, they saw Him raised from the dead. It's true. And you and I, when we believe that truth, and we confess it with our mouths, the Bible says we're saved, convicted of our sin by the Spirit of God, we transfer our trust from anything we can do to save ourselves to what Christ has done alone. And we're baptized into his death. And just not just objectively what happens in those waters, but subjectively in our life. We confess when we go through those waters, hey, I was a sinner. I've died to my old way of living. I've found new life in Christ and my trust is in him. And I want Him to be my Savior and my Lord. And I transfer my trust to Him. Now, if we know that, as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into His death. We were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. What we celebrate when we go through those waters is the truth of the gospel. But it's not just what happened to Christ. It's also a confession of what has happened in our lives. Do we know that? Is there a time in your life where you know that happened in your life? Where you bent the knee and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. And I see Jesus who died for me. And I want to transfer my trust. I can't make myself perfect. I can't make myself holy. But God, I want to transfer my trust and put it in that sacrifice that was offered for me and ask Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. When when we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we are placed in Him, baptized into Him, just as we're baptized into that water, immersed into that water. In the same way, the Spirit of God places you and places me in Christ Jesus. This awareness is vital to my daily living in Christ. Realizing who he is and what he has done. Now what's the significance of that? The significance is seen over in Ephesians chapter 2. Now listen to these words. When Paul was saying there in Ephesians chapter 2, that previously we were children of disobedience, children of destruction, children of doom, we had no hope. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love that He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions or trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. And not only that, He says, and He raised us up together And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus, That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When you and I were saved, listen, we were placed in Christ. Our identity was hit with Him. And so everything that He experienced at Calvary, beloved, we've experienced. We died with Him. He was buried. We were raised with Him. And now He has ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. And you and I spiritually are in Him. Beloved, we're there. Even though you're right here sitting in front of me. In God's eye, we are there. Our salvation is secure in Christ. Amen. We need to know that. Listen, we need to know that so we can have victory as we walk on this earth over sin and temptation that once tripped us up and caused us to live defeated lives. It was the reason we cried out to God for salvation. We desperately needed Him. Now what's important in that is to realize just as He died and we were buried with Him, praise God, He also rose again. And as Paul says at the end of verse 4, even so, we should walk in newness of life. Now this is the gospel. Understand, the gospel is not merely the truth about Jesus that you and I believed one day when we got saved. The gospel is something we need to preach to ourselves every day. You're going to see this theme over and over in in the word of God. Particularly in Paul's epistles. That you know what? The key to living godly every single day is living by that grace through faith that God gives us. And that grace is something that I need. Dying to self and finding new life in Christ. It's the gospel. Every day we're resting depending in what Christ has done for us. Trusting in the sufficiency of it. You and I cannot work ourselves up and do enough to make ourselves good enough to enter into heaven. And if we could, the argument of Galatians is what? Christ died in vain. He died needlessly. You and I depend on what Christ has done for us and our identity is in Him. And I need to remind myself of that daily and so do you. It is the key to living godly. I remember 1 Timothy 3, the mystery of godliness. Jesus is the one who makes godliness possible for you and for me. But he's also this key, and I have to focus on him, and my life needs to be centered on him each day, realizing daily I need to die to self and find life in Christ. Now this is the reality. Do you know this? Paul says, don't we know? Don't we know that we've been baptized into his death? which assures us not only that we died with our old nature, but we've risen in newness of life. Now, why did that happen? What's the reason for our death with Christ? Paul says there's two critical truths, again, that you must know. Did you circle that in verse 6 and verse 9? Notice this, what he's going to say in verse 6. The effect, number one, of Christ dying for you and for me is this. The stronghold of sin in my life has been broken. Notice what it says here. Verse 5, If we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. What old man? You say, I'm a Gen Z. I'm a young man. I'm just a young Turk. Listen, no. The old man is not crucified the old by years. It's our old nature, the way we were before we came to Christ. Do you remember what that was like? Remember, that's the reason we cried out to him, I'm a sinner, and I realize I can't save myself. My sin has caused problems and and you wept over your sin because of the problems it created in your life or that affected others around you. And and you realize that that not just you had committed sins but but you were a sinner. And you had no hope. We had no hope. And, and we need to realize this. That old man has been crucified. That tendency, that nature, that old corrupt human nature that rears its head, that, that realizes, listen, that's the things that I don't want to do that I do. And, and the things I know that I want to do, I don't do. Th- that, that nature is within us. That old man is dead. Do you realize that today? That old body, that body of sin has been taken away. It's been done away with. Praise God. That body of sin was destroyed. Listen, the picture is at the cross. Christ in the flesh died. The certificate that was written against you and me, the wages of sin is death. And all our sins that were listed there, he nailed that to the cross, Colossians tells us. It's nailed there. He nailed it. Praise God. He paid the penalty. Know that truth today. And know that he was buried. He was in the ground. He took all that to the grave. Beloved, you and I shouldn't be digging it up and carrying it around. Know that we have been set free from that old man. You and I, their old you is gone. There's a newness, a new way of life. We are new creations in Christ. He came To change our life, to give us hope, to give us the hope of eternal life, but also to give us victory and hope now so that sin doesn't have to have power in my life any longer. What's required is that we realize the old man, notice this, notice this is an important word, the old man was crucified with him. Now why is that important? It doesn't say the old man was killed or put to death. It says he was crucified. Why is that important? Well, listen, if you struggle with sin, you may come to my office sometimes and say, Pastor, I, I'm wrestling with this sin and, and can you counsel me and give me some wisdom and guidance and direction? And if you do, I've got these three little nails that are about this long in my office and I'll hand them to you and I'll tell you, sure, go ahead, crucify yourself. And you'll look at me kind of crazy and then I'll say, go ahead, imagine that you're crucifying yourself, put one nail between your ankles And then hold one nail in your hand as though you hammered it in. Now, go ahead and, and nail that other hand. You can't nail that other hand. This is total, complete abandonment on Christ. This is you putting your life in God's hands and saying, I need you to change my life. I can't do it. I need your grace. I cannot do it. I am completely, totally in your hands. Those who were crucified were killed by someone else, right? They were put to death on the cross. Someone else had to accomplish that, do that. You and I cannot do this in our own strength. We depend completely on God's grace. And this is the secret to living the Christian life in so many ways that we've walked away from. Sometimes we get caught up in our own human effort and our ability to make ourselves right. Beloved, you and I can't. We desperately need him. Daily, I need him. There's not a day that goes by that I don't need to trust in him, put my faith in him, rest in what Christ did at Calvary and say God I can't change me but you can. I need you to change me today. Spirit of God I need you to fill me and transform my mind and renew my heart and help me to take thoughts captive to who Christ is. When I'm tempted to realize he's not going to allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able but he'll also help me find the way of escape. Show me what that is it's living in complete absolute dependence upon God and his grace it's walking by faith and trusting him Christ came and died and the reality of our death with him is this the old man it's crucified the body of sin praise God it's done away with now why is that significant that stronghold that once was in us is dead And the stranglehold, the power of sin in our life is also broken. Notice what he says. That body of sin might be put away with. Why? That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. We were in bondage. Beloved, we had no hope. We were shackled to sin. But when Christ died and our old, creature, the old nature was put to death, the power of sin was loosed. The key unlocked the shackles. You don't have to live and serve sin any longer. I don't have to give in to those temptations that once tripped me up and caused me to fall. I live daily, resting, trusting in Christ, in His grace wanting to be led by the Spirit of God. And what I do is I reckon myself dead to sin. I'm dead to it. The old man is dead. Now here's the problem. What we do is we forget we have died and we're no longer to be slaves of sin. We've been set free. And some of us want to make excuses for the way we're living. Well, it's just the way I am. I can't do anything about it. That is not biblical. Our nature has changed. We are new creations in Christ. You don't have to be in bondage to that old way of living any longer. We've been set free. And we should live free. Why? Dead men don't do anything. Amen? They don't do anything. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't cuss. They don't speak ill with their tongue. They don't think bad thoughts. Do bad things. Dead men do nothing. If our old nature is dead, if the body of sin has been put away with, if we've been set free, that should have no longer have power in my life. You say, well, Pastor Chris, what happens when it does? Fall on your knees and cry out to God and say, Jesus, you saved me. I put my faith and trust in you. I don't want to continue living this way. Crucify this desire. Take it from me, I need your grace today. I need your mercy today. And when you trip up and you fall and you say, man, look at me. I fell again. I can't do it. Get up and preach the gospel to yourself and remind you what Christ has done for you and realize who he is and that your identity is in him and you no longer have to live that way. That's what is victorious in our life. Looking, fixing your eyes on Jesus. You're the author. You're the perfecter of my faith. You who began a good work in me, you're faithful to complete it. I'm a piece of work, y'all. If you didn't know that, that's my bride. All right? I am a piece of work and so are you. And God's not finished his work in you and I. We get the righteous man may fall seven times, but you know what He does. He gets back up and he goes in the right direction and he says, I'm walking in the newness of life because Christ has redeemed me. He saved me and my life's been made new. Amen. I don't want to be the old self. That's why I cried out to God, save me. I'm glad a lot of y'all don't know the old me. You wouldn't want to. Praise God. You say, oh, you're a choir boy, preacher. No, I wasn't. I was a wretched sinner. I was plucked up from the miry pit. pit. Amen. But praise God, he put me on solid rock and he changed my life. There's no reason for you and I to make excuses. Stop it. No. If you confess, if you believe, if you know this, do you know that our old man was crucified with him? Do you know that the body of sin was done away with? It doesn't have to have power in my life any longer. I've been set free. Now, if we died with Christ and we've been freed with sin, notice this in verse 8. We believe we'll also live with Him, knowing, here it is the third time, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Sin and death no longer have dominion over us. We walk as dead men alive, alive in Christ, And the death that he died, he died once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. That's how we should live. Live to God. That your desire and my desire. Listen, our identity's changed. We were sons of Adam, but now we're sons of the second Adam. We once were dead in our trespasses and sin, but we've been freed from that now, and we can walk in newness of life. We once used to say, my will be done. Now we can say, thy will be done. We can live that way. Or as he'll say later in this chapter, every day you can present yourself no longer as a slave to sin, which leads to unrighteousness, but you can present yourself as a slave of righteousness, which leads to holiness. And that is how we have to know these things in our mind. This radically changes how you and I live each and every day. Knowing these truths. And when Christ rose from the dead, he rose victorious. He never has to offer another sacrifice for sin. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. And when you and I identify with him in death, that means, praise God, we also identify with him in resurrection. There's victory for us. There is a new way of living. Why? Because the Spirit of God, Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that proved He was the Son of God, was the power that raised Him from the dead. That same Spirit dwells within you and within me. And tomorrow, next week, we'll learn more about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life and living godly lives. This is the amazing thing. This is the marvelous thing. This is the magnificent thing that we should realize. Christ is alive from the dead, and He forever will be on the power of death, and so will you, and so will I. To die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Why? Because we've realized the victory that's available through Jesus Christ. And that grace that we believed, that he offered to us, that amazing grace to save us, is the grace that I need each and every day. Do I want to live the victorious life of faith today? I, I need to pursue holiness by God's grace, not my human effort. That's, that's vain. This frees me from thinking I can make myself good enough. No, God, I depend totally on you. And that grace motivates me to live in a different way. You see, this is why when we hear God speak, we cry out to him and say, God, I need to transform me, change me, renew my mind, help me to put off old things and put on new things. These are principles we're going to learn as we study the doctrine of godliness, as we walk through different epistles and, and we read the word of God and we learn disciplines to help us to live godly. But you must know these things about what Christ has done for us at Calvary. Praise God, there's a reason today that we can find joy living for Jesus because we've been set free. Listen, if you're struggling with a secret sin, maybe something God knows about. It doesn't have to keep tripping you up. We're free in Christ. Live free. Confess it to God. Ask Him to give you someone maybe to hold you accountable the Spirit of God asks for conviction. I don't want to go this way. Crucify this desire. Take it away from me. Maybe something that some of, some of us listen, you know, our tongues often get us in trouble, right? It, it, James says, you know, and try controlling that little wild beast, right? Man is in a wet, slippery spot, and he'll get us in trouble all the time. Here's the amazing thing. I I may not control my tongue the right way when I speak to my spouse. Students, you may not control your tongue the way you speak to your parents sometimes. Perhaps it's even at the work in the office place. Sometimes that it just comes up and comes out. Here's the amazing thing. In the newness of life, Christ died for the sins of our mouths, the things that we say sometimes, the disrespect, the, 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 the other things that come out that shouldn't come out. And he's given us a new way to speak. Sometimes we need to pray, God, help me with my tongue. Help me to control my tongue. I I can't control it. I need your help today. Let let the words that come forth from my mouth, let them be for edification, for, for building up. Let them be seasoned with salt, seasoned with grace, so that when I speak to someone else, it's evident that there's a new way of speaking. And by the way, what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what? What's in my heart. It, struggling. Some of us just want to be in control, right? And man, we, we get in fits of rage, even mad, when we can't be in control of things. And, and what we need to do is repent. And instead of shaking our fists at God, why did you let this happen in my life? We need to surrender and yield. God, what are your plans and what are your purposes? God, forgive me for getting all lathered up and upset. I, I want to surrender to you. I want to die to this thought that I have to be in control and I've got to have things just my way. I want to walk in a newness of life. Is this when we get on the altar and say, this is God, the things in my life that need to change. It's the way I once was. Praise God. Listen, the God we worship and serve, the sins of the fathers go to the third and fourth generation, but they can stop. And mercy can flow to thousands. Why wouldn't I want to experience that? Why wouldn't I want my children to experience that? The generations to come after me. I've prayed many times, God, I want the sins of my fathers to stop with me. And I want to walk in a newness of life so my my children aren't exposed to that. And you know who makes that possible? Jesus. The sacrifice that he offered at Calvary and my daily looking to him, trusting in him, resting in the gospel and knowing the power of the gospel to change me and transform my life. But I need to live a life that, that honors him, that realizes that victory day in and day out. And it's possible to anyone today. It starts with this, recognizing, that, you know what? I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. Jesus saved me from my sins. Transferring your trust today, listen, not to something you can do to make yourself acceptable to God, but resting in all that Christ has done to make you acceptable to God. And if the Spirit of God is convicting you and you realize, that's me, I'm undone. I've never put my trust in Jesus alone. Then today's the day of salvation. Today's to say, I want to live a new life. If you're a believer and you've done that, but you've never obeyed Christ and gone through those waters of baptism, they don't save you, but they testify of what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus died, was buried and rose again and I've died to the old self to find new life in him. And my identity is in Christ. Maybe you need to come and lock arms with us here at South River Baptist Church. To be in a place, listen, where we're going to grow in the word of God. Grow in the grace of God. Grow each day. Listen, encouraging one another. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He'll finish the good work. He has started in you.